Hello, I'm your host, Johnny Flores, and welcome to Creativity Speaks, a podcast to champion and inspire creativity in Sacramento. Our first speaker series of 2020 takes place Thursday, February 20th at 5.30 p.m. inside the Bell Room of Urban Roots Brewing and Smokehouse. The topic for the night will be fear. Our guest speakers are Marin Conrad and Rob Archie. Tickets are available by going to kaveenthecreatives.org forward slash calendar and clicking on the event you want to attend. Today I'm chatting with Marin Conrad. Marin is a well-established fine artist and muralist with murals all over Northern California. A few of her most prominent murals in Sacramento include the Sacramento Railroad Museum, the Koi Fish at the Mars Building, and the Interactive Mr. T mural in Midtown. Next week, I'll be speaking with Rob Archie about the topic of fear as well. Thanks for sitting down and chatting with me, Marin. First, how long have you been doing art? My whole life. Yeah. I was dyslexic when I was a little girl, and so reading was hard for me. And so my mom went back to get her art degree when I was five, and so our house was chock full of art supplies. Yeah. And I found a way to have confidence, even though reading out loud is still terrifying for me at times. Uh, so I've always like it's been my expression and my way to succeed. And I figured out really young that, uh, you know, you can always make friends if you can draw a cartoon. So what compelled you to pursue it as a career as an adult? So I went to Chico State thinking I wanted to be a graphic designer. And I felt like I wanted to be able to render and paint really well before I was ready to go into graphic design because mm. I didn't want to necessarily rely on a computer. And so I went through the course catalog and I looked at all the majors. And honestly, I just wanted to take every course that was in an art major and I called my mom and she said, yeah, pick the classes that you want to take. Like this is this one time in your life where you have this access to all these people just to teach you things you don't know, you know? And so she said, you know, you can always figure out what you're going to do with it later. My first awareness of you was the painting series that you did on uh, quote unquote mistresses that, that got some negative attention for something that was actually positive you know, you, you weren't doing it to single these women out with like a scarlet letter. No. Well, it was the Me Too movement before the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just the world wasn't ready for it yet. And so I showcased a series of 11 portraits of women that openly discussed their romantic relationships with California governors. And some were mistresses, but some were wives some were ex-wives. Or out-and-out so, out girlfriends. Or, yeah. Like, like or, Linda Ronstadt right, and was Jerry just, Brown. Was just, yeah, there was nothing um, sinister or, yeah. you know, um, bad. You know, like, it was. they were very openly a couple. But with politicians, they're always trying to keep that part of themselves out right. of public conversation. And so I just thought it was really interesting that these women were bold enough to talk about that part of their lives with these men. And so the series was named Politically Vulnerable because it was showing a vulnerable side of California governors when there's a lot of oppression to keep that stuff hush, obviously, with, you know, Schwarzenegger and, you know, his son and all the stuff that came out 
that was obviously not with. Was that around the same time? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, so actually what was interesting was the conflict came because, I mean, the portraits were clean. I mean, they were just like yeah, shoulders just up. Bust. Yeah, shoulders up. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they didn't have straps or shirts on, but it was shoulders and it was their faces because it was about portraits. And then I did stippling as a technique to represent the grain of publishing. Uh, mm-hmm. So because they had all published a story about themselves. And that was the point of the series was it was going in a bar that was facing the state capitol. So all the governor's portraits face one way and all these women would be facing back. Oh. if you took down the walls from the other side of the street, which I thought was great. And I wanted people to be to see these women's faces and wonder who they were and start looking at the stories that these women had to tell because I thought they were really interesting and something that took a lot of courage to come forward and talk about, you know, like Piper Laurie lost her virginity to Ronald Reagan when she was 17, which would now be, I think, statutory rape. Yeah, especially and, given his, the age difference. Okay, huge age difference on the set. And he told her because she didn't climax that she had something wrong with her and need to see the doctor. Oh, my God. You know, which is like in this Me Too era that we're in now – You know, I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about. And it's just an old convoluted uh, way of thinking of women's bodies. Like it wasn't his problem. Right. It was her problem. Right. Exactly. You were pressured to take those down. And our first discussion that we'll have uh, for the speaker series is about fear. What did you learn about fear or overcoming fear or controlling your fear from that? I think – Whenever you do something creative, fear is going to be a part of it. The woman who wrote Eat, Love, Pray wrote a book called Big Magic, all about the creative process. And the way she put it, I think, is very apropos. And I can't think of a better better way of saying it, which is fear is always going to be in the car, but you can't ever let fear take the wheel. But you got to know it's going to sit in the backseat. And I absolutely know that every time I go into a project, I have to overcome that I'm not good enough. I'm an imposter. Everybody's going to find out that I'm really crap. (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, painting murals, it's like they go through a mid stage where they don't look awesome. And so you just kind of have to overcome like people are going to drive by this and this is not going to look what the final product is of what I want to show. And so like. That way you're inviting everybody into your studio and they watch your screw ups and then they watch you fix them, Yeah, which you just have to be like, okay, that's going to be fine for me muraling. So I've been muraling for three years now from making studio art before, Uh, you know, it's just been an interesting process because I'm fighting weather. I've had to learn to paint on a bunch of different surfaces you know, like different types of stucco, exposed historic brick. So, you know, you're using boom lifts and scissor lifts, but you're also in a little cage, basically, like boom lifts and scissor lifts have like a little cage on them. And I'd be with three other artists, but it's also letting other artists scribble all over your paintings, you know, which is, you know, I've worked, you know, now I work in a very um, team-oriented way. Um, How did you get over your imposter syndrome because i i felt like an imposter doing running my business until i went to a convention i went to a podcasting convention and in and going to these like different courses i started talking to people 
I started talking about podcasting to to people who who were fairly new or maybe midpoint in their careers as podcasters. And I started getting like an audience of just like talking to people out in the hallways of this convention. Like I'm, I'm not a beginner. I'm not the middle person. I've been doing this for several years and I, I know what I'm talking. It instantly got me over my imposter syndrome going to this convention. Like, was there one specific thing like that for you or is it still something that you battle with? Because I change artistic styles so often, uh, you know, from my mural on the side of Urban Roots, which is a giant pair of Converse sneakers that are realistic, to Ladybird mural, which is actually I did the design by cutting paper because of the movie she does all these campaign posters where she's like on poster board and mm. I was thinking of something that was like reminiscent of you know high school and what and that story and the character and that story so I what I've found to get over my anxiety to be able to do a project is some projects I need to do a full out sketch and a mock-up and work with Photoshop so I can see it on the building before I do it and reduce paint colors. So a lot of times I come up with what I want it to look like in the end and then have to figure out a process on how I want to get there. And then I pack crazy mural kits. Like that's my preparation is I put everything in my mural kits. I mean, from first aid kits to even if I think it's going to go one type of paint, I put two different types of paint in the mural kit. So it sounds like you're aware of your anxiety and fears of the of the process and you just super prep yeah. for um for any any sort of uh contingency. Well, if you're paying eight people to be on site and you're paying for huge equipment and I'm having to manage the budget and everything else the last thing I want to do is go run to four art supply stores and have everybody standing yeah. around. Lose, lose an hour or two. Or just give them something to do that's like not really that helpful that we have to go back and paint over or do something differently, a di like an, a specific aesthetic yeah. that I'm looking for is the thing that I think I always feel like an amateur. So I know that part of being an artist is the importance of not being afraid to be an amateur. And when I go into a meeting, I can say, well, this is my idea and I got it. And I feel like I got it because I can figure it out or I know enough smart people that can help me figure it out, but not because I know how to paint that. Because a lot of times I don't. Honestly, I've never painted anything like that in my entire life. And then you only have one shot because you're on somebody's wall. It's not something that you can really practice you know it's yeah. looking at other people's yeah you, you just have to get enough people on a team which is really collaborative which i love because honestly being a studio artist it can get lonely and it can just get boring i mean you know so what i'm trying to do now is activate alley spaces so they are safe for women because once you get toddlers and women going to an alley it becomes a lot safer because then there's people going to it. And the way I have found as an artist of making safe spaces is by doing interactive murals. So at Doko, 
they gave me run of the entire space for anywhere I wanted to paint a mural. It was before wide open walls. Did any of the murals there? It was, you know, it was brand new. And I found the one place I wouldn't want to walk through at night, which was this weird pedestrian tunnel that goes after the arena out to J Street. Mm. And I did two giant peacocks there because looking at the space, I was like, that's a tight corridor. It's narrow and it has two blind sides on both sides of the entrances on both directions. So it's actually, the you know, that whole arena complex is so open and bright. And then you had this one weird, dark, tight space. And I was like, well, this is the place. But it's really wonderful to see the interactions there because you ha- you have to walk through somebody's picture if you're trying to walk there. So watching people have to interact and say, oh, do you want to get in it too? I'll take a picture of both of you. Or just stopping and waiting and watching the person pose with the picture. You know, it was just really kind of fun. And I love that there's this sense of play, that you're getting adults to play, that there's just an effervescence and a happiness in places that would be dark or scary. So you're taking places that we used to be afraid of and now... It's smiling, laughing, toddlers, balloons. Like, I mean, it's just, you know, it really has changed who is using those spaces and how we go about inhabiting our city. So in closing, what would you like to pass on to someone about fear, either as an artist or a freelancer or someone working in that realm in the creative community? Well, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. If you're not afraid of looking like a fool, then you're going to get a lot farther. And you have to love the work. You know, if you don't love cleaning paintbrushes and you don't love getting dirty, you're thinking about the end product the entire time. You're probably not going to be present making the work. And so I would tell everybody, whatever their creative pursuit is, pick a creative pursuit where you love the work like a whole day of drawing is heaven. And I think if you go about your creative pursuits and not being like, oh, I want to be an artist and I want to be acknowledged for doing X, Y, and Z. And I, I want to be good, but you're like, I want to do this because I love practicing it. You're going to get so much farther. And then, you know, honestly, whether you're afraid or not, you'll probably do it anyways because you love it. You just have to keep going and if you do it because you love doing it what people think about what you're doing matters a whole lot less cool well thanks for your time i really appreciate it and i look forward to hearing uh, your talk at the creativity plus speaker series yeah i hope i didn't turn anybody off with this interview because this is like super marin in the morning add (laughs) speech so um, i'll practice what i'm going to talk about and i'm sure i'll be a lot more poignant then (laughs) well thanks for your time thank you